Football News. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers try to get a thus far elusive Ross Age Stadium victory this season. Welcoming in Illinois for homecoming Saturday afternoon. We'll preview on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. Kyle Charters here, Tom Deanhart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Karpik as well. Boilermakers against the Fighting Illini Saturday afternoon in Ross Age Stadium. Uh, Tom, there are storylines mm. for Purdue and Illinois. Let's start off with the game itself. Purdue needs to win a football game. He needs to win a football game at home where it has not yet done so in the Ryan Walters era. But, man, not only that, it's an important game. Purdue just absolutely must get two victories here by the end of September if it realistically wants a chance to get to six or more victories on this season. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I mean, I thought Kyle Purdue needed to be at least three and two to have a really good shot at, and they're behind schedule, obviously. And but yeah, you certainly don't want to go one and four. So yeah, two and three's got to be your goal if you're Purdue. And you know, we've talked about the the to-do list for Purdue after September, Kyle. You know, there's only three home games left. I mean, Purdue's got to go to places like Iowa. They have to go to have to go to Michigan. Ohio State comes to West Lafayette. You have to go to Nebraska. So. Yeah, you look at the you look at October, November, and if Purdue's two and three, you'd be hard pressed to find four games you could circle as as likely wins. So, uh, but again, if they lose Saturday, that hill becomes even steeper, and um, the odds become longer. So we all know the urgency that surrounds Purdue here on Saturday. Purdue coming off a loss last Friday at home to Wisconsin. Tom, if if you're Purdue's head coach, what is the number one thing you are trying to fix before the game on Saturday? I think one is just eliminate the turnovers. I think that's where you got to start, right? Yeah. Um, I think they had two more last week. I think they had four against Syracuse. And after having none the first two games. So that's been the bugaboo that's really cropped up. But, you know, most football coaches will tell you there's two things you got to do. You can't turn the ball over and you have to have explosive plays. So, they need more explosive plays, Kyle. They lead the Big Ten, and I think, plays of 10 yards. But when you start looking at most 20-yard plays, 30-yard plays, 40-yard plays, I looked this up this week and produce at or near the bottom in the Big Ten. And just more explosiveness on offense. Penalties have been an issue of late as well, Kyle. And defensively, boy, we know the issues they've had dealing with quarterbacks that can run the football. And here comes Luke Altmaier, and uh, he can run the football. So uh, we'll be we'll be seeing if this defense has gotten any better trying to contain that quarterback run, especially off the RPOs. The Boilermakers still in search of a, a bit of an offensive identity. It seems like that has been a hot topic really from week one. Perhaps mm-hmm. they took to the back burner after the Boilermakers' victory against Virginia Tech a couple of weeks ago. But it still seems like Graham Harrell and company is sort of searching for what Purdue is. One thing mm-hmm. that I think that Purdue should be, Tom, is is trying to set Dion Burks up as often as possible. I mean, it, it, Purdue has one guy out there, at least in the receiving core, who looks different than the rest of the guys. It's certainly uh, Burks, it seems. Purdue's got to do something mm-hmm. to get him the ball. A little bit similar fashion to what Jeff Brom did with Rondell Moore back in the day, right? I mean, set him yeah. up set him up, and then play off him 
and try to see if that jump starts the offense a little bit. Yeah, use him as a decoy if you have to. We know defenses are going to try to take him away. Everybody knows that. Um, so you have to play off that if need be. And, you know, I just watched Rondell Moore last weekend. Then he, he took a handoff in the backfield and ran, what, 50, 60 yards for a touchdown. So, yeah, different ways to be creative getting uh, number four Burks involved. And I think this offense has a few other guys that, that are capable of being semi-difference makers. I still like the two running backs, Tyrone Tracy and Devin Mock. I mean, I like the two tight ends. Garrett Miller, Max Clare, those four guys, I think, can really help you out. We've seen you seen step up at receiver. Kyle, he actually leads the team in catches, but he's more of a possession guy. But Max Clare, Garrett Miller, use those tight ends more. And I'll be interested to see, Kyle, how the, how the running backs are used. We know Maccabee's become the second team guy. Tracy sort of emerged. I wouldn't mind, Kyle, if they could find a way to get both of those guys on the field at the same time. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Uh... One bit for Purdue defensively, uh, stop the quarterback from running. Yeah. The opponent from running in general. It, it feels like we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. It, it feels like Purdue's not really setting the edge, yeah. right? And keeping runners inside or redirecting them inside. Uh, is that part of Purdue's defensive problem here in the first third of the season? It seems like it has. I mean, um, you know, that defensive angle, that outside linebacker, I should say, crashing down and leaving the outside exposed. Um, um, yeah, you got to contain and, and push everything back to the middle. Uh, I think they use spies. Uh, they've tried to employ spies on these quarterbacks, too. Maybe we'll see some of that Saturday as well. So, yeah, I asked Kevin Kane about it, and obviously that they're working on he, he discussed some of those things, and, and uh, we'll see if they can continue to adapt to get better at that because you know Illinois is going to test them. And this is an Illinois offense that has had its struggles. Altmaier struggles to pass the football, Kyle. He's got seven interceptions. Isaiah Williams is a very good receiver. They haven't ran the ball very well, and that's really a staple of Brett Bielema's teams typically over the years is that ability to run the football. Haven't been quite that good. They really struggle on their offensive line just like Purdue. So what I'm trying to say, Kyle, is, is these are two teams that have their flaws that are probably pretty evenly masked. That's why the line is so close, and it's probably going to be a game that, that comes down to who makes the plays in the fourth quarter. So there's all the other stuff about this game. Uh, Ryan Walters coached at Illinois last year, was the defensive coordinator, took some other coaches from there with him. Of course, the Illini had a big changeover in personnel, too, in terms of players from that great Illinois defense last year. Had a big changeover on offense, too, new quarterback, new running back. Uh, I'd imagine other new players out there on that side of the ball as well. Uh, well what do you make about uh, about some of the talk back and forth here a little bit about this game? Do you think it matters headed into Saturday? Do you think it matters at all once the ball is kicked off on Saturday, or do you just go out there and play football? Yeah, I never do. It's fun. It's fun to lead up for people to write stories about and talk about, you know, some of this, if there's any back and forth or playful banter, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, jabbing, but again, I, I, as, as I always think, you know, not an original thought, but once the game gets started, all that stuff goes in the back seat. And yeah, the Illinois connections are deep on this Purdue staff. We know about Walters. You know, uh, he brought over several assistant coaches: Corey Patterson, Joe Deneen, Kevin Kane, Grant O'Brien. You know, the ops guy Pete Rowley came from Illinois. There's a, a senior defensive analyst, Preston Gordon. So I think it's six guys, six former Illinois staffers or in West Lafayette. So uh, it'd be fun watching Brett Bielema and Ryan Walters interact before the game. 
And, uh, and, you know, just, again, a fun dynamic. And this has been a crazy series where Purdue's really dominated of late, Kyle. They've won the last three. They won six of seven. They've won 14 of 18. You probably remember the last Illinois win over here was in the quagmire in 2019. So just a fun series for two schools that are so similar and so close together. Yeah, it has been a good one. It's been one on two, right, that I don't have the numbers right in front of me, that the road team here over the last 15 years has often won two, right? Believe that's the case. Still one over there for crying out loud. Darryl Hayes was two and two against Illinois. That's all you need to know. I know. I think both, I think both wins were over there. <laughs> crazy. So again, yeah, it's uh, again two, 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 two programs, even similar historical arcs. To be honest with you, similar historical past, sort of been up and down. Can never really get their football program with sustained success. Always been more basketball schools. So yeah, but there's there's a lot of football tradition of both of these programs, and and boy, for 2023, um, two schools coming off good years last year, sort of. Still trying to find their way as September melts into October. Purdue's relatively healthy, right? Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, Kyle, they really are. Um, um I think Ben Freehill's going to be out again. He may be back for the Iowa game next week. So look for Crock over to kick off and maybe she has to handle placements. Um, you know, Gus Hartwig's fine. I think we may see more of uh, the Missouri transfer, Luke Griffin, a right guard. Um, Jalen Grant sort of had some struggles there, number 75. You know, Garrett Miller's fine, the backfield, the quarterback, the receivers. Yeah, across the board, they are really in um in pretty good shape. Demarge Lewis is out. Um, he, he had a procedure to take care of some bone spurs, but he really hasn't been playing much this year. So, yeah, long story short, they should be in pretty good health. And this thing's kicked off on, on Saturday at, at 3.30 uh, Eastern time. Let's take a break. Weather forecast for Saturday. That's coming up here in just a moment. Also, we'll talk to you. Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers. Alan Carpet coming up as well for a Big Ten look and historical glance at the cannon. Uh, then we'll bring Tom back in later, talk some matchups and get our predictions as well. All that ahead, this is the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are taking on Illinois with a kickoff time around 3.30 in the afternoon. If you plan on tailgating in the morning and early afternoon hours, expect some early patchy fog in the morning, but the sun will come out quickly after sunrise. Lows will be in the mid-50s. By noon, temperatures will be around 72 with mostly sunny skies. At kickoff, temperatures will be around 80 with plenty of sun, blue skies, and east winds about 6 miles per hour. And the drive home looks good too with temperatures dropping into the mid-70s with clear skies. Overall, the weather is looking fantastic and warm for some Purdue football. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, pleased to be joined by Lauren Tate, the iconic, uh, the iconic Lauren Tate who's covered Illinois for uh, 
for decades. Lauren, appreciate your time. So real quick, let's get started. Yeah. Kind of give fans an idea what to expect from this Illinois offense on Saturday. Well, I think that uh, they're still trying to establish the running game uh, for Brett Nealma, and I think that that's been kind of iffy. They had a real problem early in the game uh, Saturday against uh, Florida Atlantic. Uh, they uh, didn't get much of a running game going. They had three long passes in that game by Altmaier, so they're still – but uh, what's interesting is in trying to clinch the game late, they did uh, – they did run the ball the last four minutes, ran off the clock uh, to, to, you know, to hang on to a six-point victory. They couldn't give the ball up at that point because they could lose the game if, uh, you know, if, if Atlantic hits some long ones. So I, I thought the running game came on somewhat toward the end with Josh uh, McRae in the ball game. I love his, uh, so far, his, uh, he's averaging 5.6 yards per carry, which is pretty good. Um, on 44 carries in the four games. But the answer, the real answer to your question is that they're still searching for the kind of running game that they need, and it hasn't shown up so far this year with any consistency. All right, defensively, Lauren, kind of give us an idea of what to expect from that Illini defense. Well, defensively, they're trying to, to get the uh, secondary together. Uh, two, uh, two weeks ago, they lost two safeties, including Bailey, who would, was a starter, and Hill, who was also his backup. So they're, they were shorthanded at safety, but they uh, then the, this game, uh, Saturday against Atlantic, they had two quarterbacks go down, including Taz Nicholson, but they feel like uh, they feel like at this point that they'll both be back. But the secondary isn't any, anywhere near what it was last year when they had all those interceptions, 24, I believe it was, interceptions in the season. And, and uh, you know, it was a strength of the team last year. Uh, this team has given up about 27 points a game so far. Uh, played Penn State pretty well, but the turnovers in that game made it very difficult to judge the defense. The first 10 possessions that Penn State had, the first 10, they scored one touchdown. Now, they also got a couple field goals because he took over the ball in, in Illinois territory. But generally speaking, uh, the defense is, is not to be compared with last year when they led the nation in scoring defense just over 12 points a game. Uh, this one is more than double that uh, so far, and they're still searching for some answers uh, at linebacker and in the secondary. Okay, Lauren, how do you see this game unfolding? Brett Bielema versus... Ryan Walters, a lot of good storylines. So many former Fighting Illini staffers are now at Purdue. How do you see this game going when it kicks off at 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday for Purdue's homecoming? Well, I think that the, the home field and the homecoming is what makes Purdue a very slight favorite in this game. But I, I see it as just a toss-up game. And and uh, I think Illinois is probably being, wishing for a really strong downpour because the only win that Illinois had in the last seven tries was in the mud over there. <laughs> the day you had that bad rain I was several years back, that's Illinois' only win in the last seven tries. But I... Uh, I think that I think Illinois is a little better than Purdue. That's my opinion, but I don't think it's enough. I mean, in a game like this, it could go either way. And I do think that the home field is is, a, is an advantage in this situation, particularly there being homecoming and all. Uh, but uh, you know, you got a lot of Illinois coaches over there who know uh, the Illini system, and a lot of Illini coaches know the Purdue system. So I think that we probably know each other pretty well. It'd be a lot of fun, Lauren. Two teams uh, want to continue to. To get better, especially Purdue, of course, the Bullmakers is one and three. 
They've lost their last two, Lauren, and um, have a one in, in Roswell Stadium this year. I appreciate your time very much. Look forward to seeing yeah, you well, Saturday. Let me say one thing. Uh, this Western Division is wide open. <laughs> There's nobody much better than anybody. I mean, Purdue's got just as good a chance as, as Illinois or anybody else in this division, I think. So I, I think it's a, it could go, uh, you know, uh, somebody could get a little streak going. It, you know, it would. After seeing Iowa, what Iowa did uh, at Penn State uh, against a team that Illinois played pretty physical with, I think that I think this thing's a toss-up. It ought to be good. I appreciate your time, sir. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black. Let's bring in Brian Uber to get his perspective on the Boilermakers as they get set to take on the Fighting Illini at 3.30 on Saturday. Brian, as part of the game on Saturday, Purdue will dedicate the Tiller Tunnel. Uh, Looking back on the career of Joe Tiller and the way in which Purdue is honoring him, I mean, I think it's been great. We've seen it for three games. It's impressive. Uh, And and a a great tribute to a great coach, obviously. You know, you look back on that era, Brian, and it, it makes you appreciate what Purdue was able to do as I think we even get farther away from it. Uh, that Joe Tiller was able to come in and turn around the Purdue program as quickly as he did, get Purdue to a Rose Bowl within a handful less than that of years. Just crazy to consider that, you know, now. And I think, you know, as you start here on the beginning of the Ryan Walters era, you realize that what Purdue is going through right now is is more similar to what is uh, typical, right, for for a new coach to have to, uh, build a program, even a program that has had some recent success. Uh, it's just crazy to look back what, however many years that was, 20, 25, 26, whatever it is, years ago, and think about what uh, Joe Tiller was able to do so quickly at Purdue. 
Yeah, uh, I have a variety of thoughts here. The first of which is that I don't know what typical is anymore in college football because, you know, the one thing Joe Tiller and them could not do back in 1996-97 was recruit 30 new players. Um, I think that's part of this. I think expectations in year one for any new coaching staff are going to be an absolute crapshoot every year. I I think expectations in general for most teams every year are going to be a complete crapshoot because uh, there's going to be so many new guys. Um, I think football is more sophisticated now than it was back then. Um, I think coaches like Joe Tiller had something to do with that. I think offense like he ran is part of the reason linebackers are so fast now and smaller than they were back in 1995. I think – I think defenses have changed because of 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 that sort of offense. I, I kind of be curious to know uh, would Ryan Walters be the defensive coach uh, he was at Illinois, and that got him the Purdue job. If it wasn't for you know spread offenses becoming um, so chic in college football, mm-hmm. in part not solely because of Joe Tiller by any means, but that school of thinking that kind of took over the game back then. Um, but one other thought about that is that, you know, part of the reason Purdue was able to have success right away um, was the schedule. And I, I think Ryan Walters is taking over a very different schedule yeah. um, than Joe Tiller did, um, but also has a chance ahead of him to do what Joe Tiller did too, in the sense that you remember the same year Purdue hired Joe Tiller, Minnesota, Indiana, and Illinois all hired new coaches too. And that kind of put them kind of together uh, in the same boat as peers. And yeah. Purdue in 1997 kicked the crap out of all three of those teams. Um, really laid the wood to Cam Cameron, Glenn Mason, and uh, Ron Turner. And uh, that kind of set Purdue apart a little bit at a time when those were some of the schools that you had to recruit against a lot to get things kind of, kind of up and running again. So, that's where uh, I guess I'd say some significance lies here um, in terms of this Illinois game is this is kind of one of those also ran big 10 programs that you got to beat before you build up to, you know, kind of beating Wisconsin for the first time since the second Bush administration. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It makes it a big game on Saturday. Is there, you know, when you're building a program now in, in 2023, in, in some ways, I think you look at it most simply and think it's probably easier because of the, the transfer era. But there's also just additional challenges with that transfer. Era. I mean, you have to build a team. I'm not saying that he has he has incorrectly built a, a team or, or gotten the wrong personnel. I think it's too early to make that uh, assessment on this season. But there is just extra challenges there in trying to bring a bunch of pieces together with new schemes and getting that to work in year one can, I mean, it's not a, it's not a simple, uh, it's not a simple science by any means. Yeah. I I don't think anything's easier nowadays than it was back then because yes, you can go recruit a bunch of experienced players right away. who will play for you tomorrow, but you still have to evaluate those kids. You still have to gauge fit. You have to make sure they're good enough and you have to do that in like two weeks. Yeah. And uh, in a lot of cases you have to, do that on guys who have no film at the schools they played at before um so there are enormous challenges you have to make them all coalesce together uh very very in a very short period of time uh 
I think Purdue did a good job in the portal. I think Hudson Card is going to be a really good player. I think he's a really good player right now who just needs help. Yeah. Uh, I think those two corners are legit. I think Purdue needed uh, help at wide receiver. We'll never know because the kid they got hurt himself uh, or got hurt. The other kid they got kind of bolted on him at the last second for UCF. Uh, so that's kind of a situation where you can't um, you can't really uh, assess how they did because you'll never know. But that's a spot where they needed help. Uh, other than that. Um, if you sign double digit transfers and four of them are, are difference makers. Uh, I think that's a, that's a pretty good percentage. And I think right now you're looking at uh, you're looking at Hudson card, those two cornerbacks at least being guys who have been pretty good for Purdue and will continue to be pretty good all season. So I, I think Purdue did okay. Uh, how it shows up in their record at the end of the season. I, I have no idea, but um this is kind of the new new coach experience, and it's uh, I'm sure it's not for the faint of heart. This is a big one on Saturday against Illinois, as you mentioned, sort of a a program in a similar spot. I mean, I had a good year last year, obviously with Brett Bielema, uh, but uh, having probably taken a step back a bit this season. Uh, well, <laughs> what's the what changed with Illinois from last year to this year? Well, they lost their defensive coordinator, who became Purdue's head coach. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and, right. and a uh, and a bunch of coaches went with him as well. I mean, it does. I mean, there's tons of storylines here, but ultimately, Purdue. Ultimately, with all those storylines, yeah. it's a game Purdue needs to win. Yeah, I, I don't know if, if I'm not a big must-win guy um, because I, I there are very few games that really define you. Um, or have the stakes that I think people on the outside like us sometimes want to assign to things. Yeah. Um, I think this is a big picture endeavor for Purdue more than it's a short-term endeavor. Um, yeah. My whole stance on the matter is let's see how they are halfway through next season. You know, I, I know that's not what people want to hear, but let's see how this season goes. Let's see how they start next year. And then you'll probably have a pretty good idea where this thing's going, but um, you know, Purdue's been good enough to beat a damn good team in Fresno state. Purdue was good enough to win a road game against a high major opponent, even if Virginia tech is not very good. And you were playing in a, uh, in a hurricane. Um, (laughs) Purdue, you know, kind of beat itself against Syracuse more than Syracuse beat it. If you ask me that, that being said, Purdue still couldn't couldn't defend the read option and save its life. Uh, Purdue got handled by Wisconsin the same way they have for the last, you know, for as long as our kids have been on this planet. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I mean, you obviously want to beat Illinois. You want to beat Indiana. You want to beat Northwestern. That's kind of a good starting point, uh, taking care of the business blah taking care of business against the people you should take care of business against but i don't think that there's any game where if you lose the game you you know you auction off ross eight state into the highest bidder (laughs) um yeah but that's just me um i tend to try to keep a level head about things and uh maybe that puts me in the minority sometimes but that's kind of that's kind of my assessment of the situation thanks brian yep that's Brian Newbert with his perspective on the Boilermakers. Let's take a break. Back with more in a moment. This is Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. 
TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Carpenter to talk some Big Ten football. Alan, this is the greatest slate of Big Ten football games I think I have ever seen. It is uh, it's stunning. There is not uh, <laughs> there's not a game outside of Purdue, Illinois, that really is interesting because I mean it's gonna it looks like it's gonna be any level of doubt between conference teams I should say yeah uh, you know there are you know obviously we'll talk maybe a little bit about Minnesota and Louisiana that's still an 11 point spread with Minnesota and the fact that the Gophers lost last week but yeah just crazy it's just not from we go from the uh, frying pan into the fire or whatever term you want to use because last week there were some pretty good games yeah it's pretty wild uh Purdue and Illinois, <laughs> which is the only game that's streaming only, yes. is, is is basically a pick 'em. Every other game is at least one team is a double digit favorite, except for Wagner and Rutgers. But that's because I assume Wagner is a is a lower division team. FCS, yeah, yeah. So good times. All right, let's. Uh, <laughs> that said. Let's break some of them down. Uh, noon kick in Evanston. Uh, how wild was it last week after watching that Ohio State Notre Dame thriller that you could turn it to two other Big Ten games that were very close, one of them being Northwestern and Minnesota, the other one, of course, Indiana and Akron. Uh, but Northwestern stuns Minnesota. I mean, and probably one of the – I mean, I don't know if it was in terms of the, the – line but in terms of everything else felt like one of the more stunning wins by a big 10 team perhaps uh we've seen at least seen here recently uh but man northwestern got a win and now it's two and two on the season i don't know that it can do that as a 26 and a half point home underdog to penn state but you do have to give northwestern a little bit of credit for uh for picking up a victory you absolutely do and and the wildcats have got uh, you know, got something going for them. I mean, the, the fact that they went and and the fact that they come from what twenty one points down, where uh, yeah, not exactly the entire world was watching that game. When you think about Ohio State and Notre Dame, and though Penn State and Iowa ended up not being much of a game, it was a game uh, uh, that people were <laughs> there weren't a lot of eyeballs. Let's just say that on that one. But yes, Northwestern, it would take a monumental. You know, Penn State has not done many things wrong this year. They were extremely impressive in, in, in a 31 to nothing win over Iowa, mainly defensively. They're the top defense in the country, but holding, I think, Iowa to four first downs in about 80 yards in total offense. Uh, I think it will take a second week miracle, miracle times two uh, for for Northwestern to somehow get out of there alive. You know, David Braun's done a good job of holding the, holding them together. Ben Bryant is is a good quarterback, uh, you know, but again, uh, I just don't see them hanging there for four quarters. 
Uh, noon kick on Saturday, the Raging Cajuns traveling to the Golden Gophers. Uh, Minnesota favored by 11. But the Gophers have to be one of the more disappointing teams, I think, at least so far in the Big Ten. I mean, having lost a couple games in a row here, or at least two games on the season, uh, and then, man, not only losing at Northwestern last week, but as you mentioned, having a 21-point lead and just falling apart at the end, it was uh, pretty pretty wild to watch. It was, and, and Minnesota's got a very good running back, you know, freshman in Darius Taylor, but a guy that has, you know, racking up the yards he may be north of 1500 yards before this year is up if he stays healthy but other than that they're not very good you know yeah they had not good enough offensively not a good enough offensively to blow the doors completely off of northwestern and they let them stay in the game and i i agree with you pj flex team you know you start to look at Purdue's schedule and you say you know all of a sudden you like your last three games if you're purdue when you have northwestern or excuse me, Minnesota Northwestern and Indiana in the last three games. Uh, we know things can change, but I, I expect Minnesota to get through that game. But uh, they're perplexing in how well the Gophers have, have or have not advanced here in 2023. 3.30 kick, number two, Michigan playing in Lincoln at Nebraska. The Wolverines are undefeated 4-0. Nebraska is 2-2. Two and two. The Wolverines favored by two touchdowns plus the field goal in this one. Man, you'd like this to be a Cornhuskers team that was ready for this fight, but you just don't feel like it is. Well, you know, just think about it. And I know we're kind of dating ourselves. We keep doing this with Nebraska. I mean, but can you imagine a Michigan-Nebraska game with no buzz? Somebody was talking about that this week. I mean, it's just it's just stunning. Um, Michigan has been good. Uh, have they been really good? Maybe not yet. Um, I think that Northwest or excuse me, Nebraska is going to have to again play a near perfect game, but uh, they've only allowed what Michigan's defense only allowed 23 points and 10 of them in the fourth quarter. I know they haven't played anybody yet. I know Jim Harbaugh is now finally back. Uh, and I they played Rutgers, and Rutgers is like I think he said last week was the second best team in the West, and I'm still not arguing with that. On that. <laughs> um, but my point is, is that uh, I think Michigan will roll in this game. Uh, we'll have to give uh, give Nebraska another couple of years to get themselves to where they think they are, if they can ever get to that part or get as far as they want. You know, Jeff Sims is just – they can't sleep, seem to not be uh, turnover prone at quarterback, and uh, I just don't think they have enough to even give uh, Michigan much to worry about. 3.30 kick at Maryland is the uh, Indiana Hoosiers travel east. The Terps are 4-0, 1-0 in the Big Ten. Indiana is 2-2, 0-1 in conference play. They got a victory against Akron last week in another one of those late games <laughs> on Saturday that was close. The Zips had that game won a couple of times, it felt like, before IU pulled it out in the end. I'm not sure I've seen a coach uh, be criticized. I, I think I probably have. But Tom Allen got a lot of criticism uh, after that victory about his offense. And, man, this this feels like a game where, where IU could be walking into something bad here because if Maryland scores, I'm not sure the Hoosiers can keep up on the scoreboard. Right. I mean, I think Indiana is limited, obviously, in its playmakers and uh, has not been able to show that they can consistently – do that. I mean, I mean, Akron hits that field goal, and they're really embarrassed. Uh, I just think Maryland. Uh, you know, I hate to go back to your 
West, you put the Maryland in the West division and they are the best team in that division right now. Maybe, maybe Wisconsin will have something or maybe I will have something to say about that down the road, but Maryland is, is, is good enough. They've got a really great, you know, quarterback. They've got a really good running back and Hemby. They've got enough to really, I think, blow the doors off of Indiana. We'll skip Wagner and Rutgers. I don't want you Please. to break down, uh, <laughs> break down Wagner. What is Wagner? Are they the, the Falcons? They're the Eagles? What is that thing? That's a the I birds. Don't, I don't know. We got we better we better uh, look that up. But it uh, it is uh, the Seahawks. They are the Seahawks. Yeah. They've, they've been some basketball teams that have scared some people from time to time. Uh, let's, but let's not uh, break that I, one down though. Even no, though we're not doing that. Okay, let's. Yeah, uh, Michigan State and Iowa. This will be another thriller uh, under the lights. They're in Iowa City. Ooh. Iowa is a. This is crazy. I love looking at these. I love looking at the Iowa lines compared to the Iowa over under. Because yeah. the Hawkeyes are favored by twelve and a half. Yet the over under is only thirty six and a half. So. Yeah, they just don't expect 24 to 12, right? Yeah, 24 to 12? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I don't think so. I think that they'll win uh, uh, 19 to 3. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, Michigan State is in, in, in a, is just in a horrible place as a program. Uh, I don't see that getting better. I think Iowa, obviously, even against Penn State, yeah, they lost 31 to nothing, but defensively, they're going to stay. They're going to stay in a lot of games. And Cade McNamara can't be as bad, though. He certainly took a shot or two, it, it seemed, at his offensive coordinator this week about all he just said. I just call, I just run the plays they tell me to run. Uh, but uh, whatever they're running, they're not running well. And, and again, I always look at this, how this pertains to Purdue. But uh, Purdue was too bad they're not playing Michigan State this year. But uh, again, uh, Iowa, I don't think is unbeatable, and that uh, and they're supposed they they were the odds-on favorite in the West Division. So uh, you know, who knows how this is all going to play out? But I don't. I think I don't think Iowa beats Michigan State easily. That's a breakdown of the greatest slate of Big Ten games ever here in Week Five. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical view at Purdue and Illinois. First, let's uh, let's jump in here with the Tiller Tunnel that will be dedicated uh, during the game, homecoming, of course, uh, this weekend. Man, what a, a great tribute. I think it has just been an awesome addition uh, to Ross-Aid Stadium, uh, well-named uh, for the former Purdue coach, and it's going to be really cool, I think, uh, to see that dedication this weekend. Yeah, I mean they're going to do it in a ceremony before the game, but then obviously they get played on the on the big screen. But I, I you know, I I like that. I don't know if they it was a little bit of luck that they thought of that. Some whoever came up and said, "Huh, Tiller Tunnel, what a great idea." And you know, there was some gnashing of teeth by some that thought that oh, you got to build a statue for him. This this is far better than a statue because you're going to look at this every time Purdue comes out. It's going to be TV. It's it, it's not like there's like a little part. It's a big sign, as we've all known, as we've been in the game, been in the facility three times this year. But it is uh, it is great. Uh, it's too bad that Drew Brees isn't going to be able to be back, but there are going to be a lot of guys back. And I think the other thing, Kyle, is even guys going back to the Mullenkoff era are going to be part of that ceremony. 
that again, that whole Purdue football family thing that that uh, Ryan Walters wants to build. He talked about that the first thing he said in his press conference when he was hired back on December in December. Um, I think it's all a good thing from that standpoint, and, and the Tiller Tunnel is uh, is just a, a fitting tribute to a guy that really did do a lot, uh, did everything to turn Purdue football into a, a a very competitive and championship level in 2000, and should have been in 2003. But this is a uh, a tribute to Joe Tiller and his family. Yeah, certainly is, and uh, brings back uh, just a ton of good memories from oh, yeah. that era. From, from and those, yeah, those characters. Well, and, 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 and the other and thing too. Else. Yeah, and the thing about it wasn't just that Kyle and you lived it, but they they were good people. They were just fun yeah. to be around. I mean, Joe was that way. Jim Cheney, uh, you know, Brock Spack, Oleg, you know, uh, all those guys that, uh, that they were just good people to be around. It was a different world in college football. We were lucky to to be able to be part of that. Yeah, it was a different time. Uh, you know, things were schedules were different. It was just a, a completely different era and uh, certainly one that's nice to be able to look back on at times. We'll be able to do that this weekend. Purdue and Illinois, the Boilermakers have, have uh, dominated this series having won 14 of last 18, but there've been some good games within sort of that domination here recently by the Boilermakers. There have been, uh, certainly last year was one of the best, just in fact of going out there with a lot on the line and really everybody ready to, to coronate uh, Illinois to the big 10 West championship, though the Illini had lost the week before to Michigan state. Uh, Purdue takes care of business, even in some bad seasons. Daryl Hazel had a couple big wins against the Illini. Uh, he got his first Big Ten win in 2014, but even his last victory right the week before he got fired was uh, a game-winning uh, field goal at the, at the buzzer. Or there was it in overtime. I can't really remember, but somehow I wanted to forget a lot of that stuff. But uh, <laughs> this was a – this certainly was uh, – there have been some good games – there have been some very competitive games. Purdue has been on the positive side of it. And, yes, that was an overtime win. Who was it, Dellinger, to hit the, the field goal in overtime to beat uh, Illinois 34-31? to 31. So 50 years ago, a little bit before my time, Purdue lost a game over in Champaign, 15-13, to 13, a game that featured five Illinois field goals. Almost unheard. I think it was a Big Ten record, if I, if I, at least a modern day record at the time. And of course, uh, long before television, I was a, a young, impressionable person listening to the Purdue game on the radio and being, you know, there's some bad, a couple, Purdue got a couple of bad calls. It always seems to happen, but they lost on five field goals by a guy named, by the name of Dan Beaver uh, 50 years ago this year. Only there won't be that many people who remember that. But it was a bitter loss for Alex Agassi in his first year, uh, and and I do remember that. And I do remember two years later, my first game I ever went to in in Champaign, Purdue uh, kind of was able to block a Dan Beaver field goal at the end for to beat Illinois. Uh, but uh, yes, there have been some competitive games. There have been some interesting games, and, and it is a quasi rivalry because they're so close, uh, and you battle for the cannon. And there have been some really really fun and interesting games that have been close. I expect uh, we'll see that on Saturday in Ross State Stadium as well. That's a historical view of Purdue and Illinois with Alan Karpik. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Kyle. Back with more in a moment here on Golden Black Radio.
On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's break down some matchups between the Boilermakers and the Fighting Illini in this one, Tom. Um, Look, you mentioned it earlier, turnovers. I mean, (laughs) Illinois had its fair share in starting this season uh, two and two. Uh, Purdue obviously has had its fair share here, especially in the last couple of weeks. It just feels like the team that turns the ball over fewer times is going to have a real chance to win the game on Saturday. Yeah, pretty simple. I mean, uh, we know the importance of protecting the ball. What, what did Danny help always say, Kyle? The ball is the program, the ball is right? The program. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's going to be key. I think Purdue's minus two in turnover margin. You know, Illinois led the country in interceptions last year. They're not taking the ball away like they used to. Hudson Carney has five fumbles this year. Devin Mockaby has five fumbles. So yeah, that again, that's it. It's it's an issue. It's been an issue, and it starts to get in your head after a while. So yeah. Take care of the ball. And um, I think, you know, again, football is a simple sport. I mean, the, they got to be able to run it. I mean, I, I broke down the run-pass balance for Purdue this year. It's 52% pass, 48% run. So they've been pretty balanced. And I think those running backs are a real strength of the team. I know the line struggled, but we saw them run for, what, 200 yards last week against Wisconsin. Well, that game got out of hand. But still, I think that they got to try to find a way to run the ball with Mockaby and and and, and and Tracy, and, and boy, that, that just opens everything up. And keep Hudson Card involved a little bit, too, running that ball, and that should open up the pass game as well. Yeah, but, Tom, they, they ran for 200 yards in a game that they trailed. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty good day. And and maybe if you're looking for something a little bit – I'm interested to hear those numbers, you know, 52%, 48%. Yeah. Uh, but maybe if you're looking for something to, that you really feel like you can hang your hat on on offense – Maybe that's it. Run the football with those two running backs, mix in card, as you mentioned. If you can do that, 
in a close game or with the lead, maybe that's a formula for success for Purdue. I think Wisconsin was playing a lot of three-line drop eight. Yeah, uh, They did not want to get beat over the hot top, Kyle. And teams are going to play that against Purdue. They're going to make Purdue try to nick. They're going to make Purdue try to nickel and diamonds way down the field, and I think they're going to concede some runs too. So maybe that was part of it. Illinois, Kyle's got two NFL defensive linemen and Jerzon Newton and Keith Randolph, so they're going to be a handful for Purdue's offensive line. But yeah, like I said, like we said, I think um, Purdue still got to run that rock and, and take its shots downfield. Hopefully, get some big chunk plays and and score. Who knows? Maybe special teams can can step up here and. Uh, and, and make a big contribution. One big glaring thing for Purdue defensively last week, uh, Tanner Mordecai, I thought, had all day, yeah. all day in the backfield to, to scan the field, figure out what he wanted to do, whether that was find an open receiver or eventually just run with the football. Purdue has got to do something to create pressures in the backfield. Going to have to blitz. I think we talked about this off air a few times. That line really can get pressure unless, they're, unless Purdue's blitzing. You know, you need more from Malik Langham and Cole Brevard and and and, and Jeffrey Emba and Joe Anderson and and the whole likes up front, uh, Isaiah Nichols. But if you got a blitz, bring those guys, those guys off the edge like Nick Scorton and Cleveland Jenkins. So, yeah, we'll see if Purdue can get some heat because you can't give any quarterback all day to throw. And conversely, Kyle, we can agree on this too. Hudson Carr was running for his life. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> like I said, Illinois got some pretty good tackles. So. Um, yeah, that line's got to get things buttoned up so Hudson Carr can get a chance to set his feet, scan the field, and give him some time to throw it downfield. All right, Tom, what do you got on Saturday? Who's winning? I think, I think Purdue finds a way. I, I, I submitted a 30-28 to 28 score, and maybe maybe that covers. I don't know. Maybe the line is still two. But 30-28, to 28, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. Whoever wins, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. And I, I got Purdue getting out of the homecoming affair with a, a close W. Yeah, I've got the Boilermakers right there uh, as well. I'll, I'll, I'll take Purdue uh, 24-21. Uh, I think it's a close one, maybe a little bit low scoring. Uh, but I, I, it's just – it's hard for me to fathom the Boilermakers starting 0-4 at home. Like, <laughs> you got to give Purdue an edge there at some point in, in one of these games, right? Uh, I mean, that just would be hard to believe, I think. And – you know, while Purdue has lost some games, uh, there have been moments where they have, have played well. Now, not enough of those moments, clearly. Uh, but you're also taking on a, an Illinois team that also has had only moments of playing well. And so I think that Purdue uh, can pull out a narrow victory. Uh, nothing would surprise me, however, uh, on Saturday. But if Purdue is to... Uh, keep any hope for getting this thing to, to six wins uh, as we've talked about uh, a lot it's got to be able to get this one on saturday all right thank you tom take care buddy that'll do it for our podcast for this week a thanks to our sponsors as always if you do like the podcast please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app leave us a comment as well all right that'll do it for our show for tom deanhard brian Newbert, and alan Kerpik. i'm kyle charters thanks for listening this is golden black radio